Welcome to Signature Dish. I am Francesca Orsini. I am Hilary Boone. And today, our guest is... I'm Katie Miller, and I live in Winooski, Vermont. And I originally hail from Castleton. And your parents live in Castleton still? They do. They live in this great, like, 250-year-old farmhouse. Um, and they just built a new barn, which is bigger than the house, funny enough. That's a Vermont thing. Yes, yeah, like my dad's <laughs> giant man cave. Dwarfs the house. I think I love the house, like, in the shadow of the barn. And it is for half the day with the way the sun goes, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty great. It has, like, it's almost nicer than the house. It has heated floors and like, huge, tall ceilings and... All of Dad's power tools. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, your parents are handy, crafty people. Then tell me about the garden. Okay, so, well, the barn now overtakes half of the garden space. Uh, <laughs> priorities, I guess. But, so, growing up, and I like to say that this is really where my relationship with food kind of stems from, is that these parents who weren't necessarily hippy-dippy, but they didn't have a lot of money. And my dad kind of grew up in a farming family. So, growing up, the acre and a half of land that my parents own, half of it was garden, vegetable garden. And so all the vegetables we grew during the summer wound up being what we ate all winter. And yeah, it was really like growing up, it was really funny. It was just gardening was part of what we did. And I hate weeding because of it. But uh, (laughs) if we were hungry in the summer, my mom would be like, well, go outside and find a snack. And we would like rip carrots out of the ground and then wash them off or like be wandering around in a diaper eating tomatoes like apples. It was kind of ridiculous. That's such a Vermont image. Yeah. (laughs) Did you do like a processing party like how did you save the food for the winter Um, a lot of it was frozen so I remember there was a lot of like rinsing things and then putting them in this like I don't know if it was a salad spinner or what but this thing where you had to pull a cord repeatedly and it made this like (laughs) (laughs) and I really liked it um and then we would freeze stuff my mom did a lot of canning yeah I mean obviously like we couldn't keep greens or anything like that so we still bought that stuff from the store in the winter but there's a great story about um my brother actually we were really little and we were at a restaurant and it was this like mom and pop Italian restaurant called the Roma in Whitehall, New York. <laughs> oh yes. And <laughs> it's like this weird, I don't know what it is now. It's different. But every time I drive by, I think of the story where we were very, very little and they asked my brother what vegetable he wanted with his dinner. And he said, peas. And so they bring out his dinner and they put it in front of him. It's like spaghetti and meatballs or something and these peas. And they are like, olive green brown like canned mushy peas and we were used to fresh like beautiful like green snap peas or something like that and the waitress asks us how's your food and very loudly my brother just goes those aren't peas as loud as he can and the whole restaurant hears him and my parents were mortified and they're like well they are they just come from a can and he was like nobody grows peas in a can <laughs> and uh, yeah so that was kind of the nature of our relationship with produce was that we didn't really have anything that came from a can unless we were at someone else's house. We also like pizza and soda was very limited. Mm -hmm. There was pizza night and we were allowed to have one glass of soda when we had pizza. It was very exciting. (laughs) Just wild. Yeah. (laughs) Like organic babies on total sugar high. I was under the belief that like graham crackers with like the cinnamon sugar on it were like the most delicious, most unhealthy <laughs> treat in the entire world. Oh yeah. We used to put just butter on graham crackers and that was dessert. Oh. Butter. Butter? On, gra- on sugared graham crackers? No. Just like the plain, no sugared graham crackers. Just like the plain, regular Nabisco grams. Butter. I can't say I've done that. 
No, that sounds like the depression. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't uplifting. <laughs> my mom also, like for my dad's lunches, used to buy like little Debbie snacks. You know, like oatmeal cream pies mm-hmm. and Swiss cake rolls and the like. And they all got kept in this pantry that was in the laundry room downstairs. And I can remember when we were little, my brother and I, we were young enough to stay at home by ourselves, but not old enough that it was for any long length of time. And we would sneak them out of the pantry, but we knew that if we put a wrapper in the garbage, my mom would catch us. <laughs> so we used to stick them like in the weirdest places, like behind the dryer and <laughs> behind the couch. And I can remember when I was in middle school, my parents redid their living room. And this will tell you how long it took for them to finally move the couch in the room. And they moved the couch and this just like mountain of what have you looking out and my brother and I just like scurried away. I was like probably fourteen and he was sixteen and we were like, We have no idea where those came from and just, like, ran away. It was really awful. <laughs> I was like, the snack budget just kept increasing, but we couldn't figure out where the money was going. <laughs> And it's like, there was plenty of food in the house, but for whatever reason, Little Debbie's were the forbidden fruit, you know? Yeah, yeah. my dad used to hide cans of Coca-Cola because we would drink it if he didn't. And so, like, in the, <laughs> sometimes you can find, like, a preserved, like, Santa can from 1992. It'll be, like, half empty. You can shake it. It's light. <laughs> it's, like, in the dryer vent. <laughs> no, it, like... Eventually, my mom started hiding them because I think she figured it out, you mm-hmm. know, and she would put them in different places, but we would always find them and she'd get so mad. Like, and there was one time where I thought I was being real smart and I put the wrappers behind the things that were already in there. So she went to like take the last note. She's making lunch for my dad or something. And it's just like, what? <laughs> Little Debbie thieves we were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did your mom have like a diet in mind or was she just like aware that whole foods and low sugar was good? I think that's all it was. Yeah. Um, like, I can remember it wasn't that things that were processed were bad because we ate a lot of spaghetti and a lot of, like, I don't know, just my one of my favorite meals that my mom used to make when I was younger is this thing called Chicken Surprise, which, funny enough <laughs> now, my husband loves. <laughs> and I, it's what I make whenever I've had, like, the worst day and I need some comfort food. And it's ridiculously easy. You take... A bunch of chicken breasts and you put them in like a 13 by 9 pyrex and you mm-hmm. cover it in um i think it's cream of mushroom soup or cream of celery whatever like the campbell's condensed <laughs> take it out it's still congealed and like jiggles around that kind mm-hmm. and you cover it in that and then you just um put you don't cook the stuffing but you make like box stuffing and you just get it wet and then you put it on top and you bake <laughs> it in the oven Ooh. and it's like gravy and stuffing and chicken and it's so bad for you but so good <laughs> It's like stuff like that, and then just a lot of vegetables, a lot of them. What's the surprise? I don't... Maybe that it's delicious. (laughs) (laughs) That is... It's kind of gross looking. It's like all the same color, you know? It's like... I would say that's how you know your food is not good for you, when it's all brown. Yeah, that's how you identify a nightmare dinner as well. So what do you eat like now? I mean, did that carry through? You garden? I just eat chicken surprise every day. No, um, I wish. I think I think they did the thing when, when students get to college and you can kind of go buck wild and eat whatever you want in the dining hall and then you your stomach catches up with you and you realize it's a terrible idea. Um, and I really discovered that I love cooking. Like, I just love it. Um, probably 
when I graduated college, I think, um, and I, I was living by myself. It was what I it was part of my ritual every day. Came home from work and would just I very rarely use a recipe, and so a lot of what I cook now is uh, what my husband and I call shit in a bowl. And I, I don't know if I can swear. But. Oh, you can swear. <laughs> Like, my husband, Steve, bless his heart, would be like, what's for dinner? And I'm like, I don't know, shit in a bowl. And he's like, what kind? I'm like, I don't know, Mexican shit in a bowl. Um, and it really depends on, like, whatever spices you're using. Uh, but, so, I don't know, I just kind of wing it a lot. Sometimes I'll feel like I want something very specific. Like, some specific <laughs> Italian dish or whatever that I'm like, okay, I'm going to look up a recipe for this. And a lot of times, even if I read a recipe, I don't refer to it while I'm cooking, which is dangerous, but mm -hmm. usually ends well. What's the worst thing that has ever happened, winging it? Uh, meat pile. <laughs> meat pile. Uh, so, it was right after uh, Steve and I moved in together. I, you know, was winging it, and he, I asked him what he wanted for dinner, and he wanted comfort food, so he wanted meatloaf. And... I'm making said meatloaf, and I did use a recipe, but I forgot a crucial step, which are the eggs, which is the binding <laughs> agent in meatloaf. Have you done this? <laughs> I, this this ties right into lentil plop, which was lentil <laughs> loaf that my dad forgot to put the eggs in. Yeah. Lentil plop, which he will never... has been brought up multiple times on signature dish. <laughs> Meat pile lentil loaf. So, yeah. like, I can remember eating things like meatloaf all the time as a kid, and I was like, okay, what did my mom do? And... I was like, my mom always cooked it in like a loaf pan, but for whatever reason, this recipe said to just shape it into a loaf and put it on a cookie sheet in the oven. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And I pull it out and it was huge. It was like two pounds of ground beef or ground turkey or whatever it was in this. And I pull it out and I'm just mortified because I had obviously been bragging about my cooking skills and everything I had made up until this point when we moved in together had been fine. And it's just like a pile of ground beef. And like, oh dear. And Steve's like, what? Are we not having meatloaf for dinner? I was like, we're going to have meat pie. And we still joke about it to this day. I'll, you know, it's like, what are we having for dinner? Oh, anything but meat pile. You know? um, we made lemonade out of lemons and turned it in. I like turned it into some meat sauce and put it with pasta and it was fine. And he assured me that it, tastes, it was like, it tastes great. It tastes like meatloaf. I don't know. It's like mm -hmm. meatloaf pasta sauce, but it was, I was not impressed with myself. <laughs> it was really awful. <laughs> I'd say that's the worst thing I ever made. Um, so you're married. You've been married a year. Yeah. year and yeah, two some months. Two years in June. Two years. Yeah. Oh, I was in the wedding. Time flies. <laughs> <laughs> Just how much you remember my big day. <laughs> yeah. I was basically blacked out, you know, the whole time. <laughs> What I do. The basil lemonades. Yeah. Do that. Oh, those were good. Those were good. Um, yeah, we didn't even talk about Savannah. But uh, since you've been married, has like the, the way that you, you cook changed or do you feel like you have to provide for your husband? Or like, is there any like dynamic difference? Um, I wouldn't say since we've been married. I think I have this weird complex. Like I am a self-described feminist, like not a, you know, a he-man hater, but like I believe that, like, women can do whatever they choose. But I also, like, enjoy homemaking. So it's this weird polarizing feeling. And I think, like, he'll be, he'll do something really nice and spend his day off 
cleaning the entire house and I'll come home and simultaneously be like, oh, that's so sweet. Why didn't you let me do it? I'm supposed to do it, you know? Um, and I say, I cook most of the meals and it's always been that way. But it's not because I feel obligated to, it's because I enjoy it. Um, and I think if I felt like I was obligated to, I would revolt and be like, cook for yourself, which would be fine because she's a good cook. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's changed. Mm-hmm. It's definitely this weird, like, you feel like you need to take care of the other person, even though it's not expected, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if this is just since we've been married or in general, but I definitely, like, I make things better for people with food. Like, a friend has a really bad day and I bring over coffee and chocolate. Mm-hmm. Or, like... Uh, I love when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> my husband will have a terrible bad day and I'll make chicken pot pie, you know, which is his favorite food. Or I have a really bad day and I, you know, eat brownies or whatever it is I feel like at the time. Mm-hmm. Lots of chips. You and Steve are creamy connoisseurs. We are, yes. Um, tell me tell me about the Vermont creamy. Tell our listeners about the Vermont Creamy. They uh, they listen in from all over the world, really. Oh, oh, a wide, vast audience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where's your furthest listener? Can you track that? Yes. It is from Russia, but we think it's just something that's messing with our website SEO, like a vampire site. Oh. But, oh, or Russian. Yeah. <laughs> it might be because we started Signature Dish with the stroganoff. Oh. Is it... I thought that was a German dish. Maybe not. That's, you clearly haven't listened to all of our episodes because we, we debunked that myth early on. (laughs) I have. I just have a short term memory. (laughs) We thought it was German I mean, called out on the podcast. (laughs) This is terrible. (laughs) Before a guest can come on Signature Dish, they have to listen to the entire Signature Dish catalog. So you want to get in early. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna have to listen for a few months. Touche, Holmes. Touche. Um. So, what about creamies? Do you want to know? Well, what makes what makes a creamy different than any other ice cream? I have asked someone this that works at the most coveted creamy place in Burlington, Burlington Bay, mm-hmm. and uh, I've heard that it is the fat content in the actual creamy ice cream. Delight. And is there a difference between a creamy and a soft serve? Yes. <laughs> Can you find the difference? I, I personally believe that the difference really is just that one's in Vermont and one's not, but a lot of people will tell you that they taste different. Mm-hmm. I think I think the difference really is like the quality of the ice cream, and one is much more fattier and sugarier than the other. But. So the creamy is better? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And where's the best creamy in Vermont? Um, the best creamy in Vermont, it depends on the flavor. So we have a whole <laughs> rating system, and it involves the, we always get the same thing. I usually get a vanilla with rainbow sprinkles, and Steve, my husband, always gets chocolate with chocolate sprinkles. And so, you know, there's a consistency mm-hmm. in the judging. Um, and you judge it on the flavor and the consistency of the creamy. And I don't know if you've ever had a gritty creamy, but it is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And I threw it out. It's the only time I've ever thrown out ice cream in my whole life. Uh, so the flavor and the consistency of the ice cream, um, the sprinkle to ice cream ratio. Mm -hmm. So like they have to take it and roll it in sprinkles. If they just sprinkle them on top and there's a few, this is not good. Um, 
And the sprinkles themselves are part of the judging. Because stale old sprinkles is like chewing on a birthday candle, and it's disgusting. Yeah, I, you know, I've never put my finger on that, but I've definitely, I know exactly that waxy, like, yeah. yeah. You're like, these are definitely last season sprinkles. Come on, people. Spring, the, <laughs> spring for the extra $5 for the new box of sprinkles. <laughs> um, but I think, I think the best vanilla creamy hands down is at Burlington Bay, and uh, I do not work there. I am not being paid to say that. <laughs> Um, suddenly they're going to get an influx of Russian visitors. <laughs> Where are these all coming from? We're the stroganoff family. We're here for your finest creamy. <laughs> but not the gritty ones. Um, and I don't know. I'd have to ask Steve about the chocolate one, but I think the best maple one is definitely at Palmer Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this great, great, um, creamy stand in Castleton where I grew up. And they used to do black raspberry ones dipped in chocolate, like that mm. hard chocolate shell. Mm. And that used to be what my dad always got growing up. Mm-hmm. And they're really good. But they closed. And it's very sad. Yeah. And you were in Savannah for school. Yeah. For graduate school. Yeah, I went to SCAD for graduate school, which was an experience. Um, the South is very different than here. Especially, like socially, but also in terms of food. Tell us about the basil lemonade, and then we'll call it good. Oh, okay. Did so, you learn about that in Savannah? Yes. <laughs> so basil lemonade came from Savannah, and it was uh, the one of the signature cocktails at our wedding, the one they got right. Mm-hmm. But a basil lemonade martini is citrus vodka muddled with basil in the bottom of a glass and a little bit of simple syrup, and then just regular fresh squeezed lemonade. Mm-hmm. I recommend, like, the Simply Lemonade, the Newman's... Organic one is really tart, but you really, it's a way my husband makes them is a one-to-one ratio of lemonade to vodka and it tastes like lemonade, but will kick your butt very quickly. (laughs) Um, It's even good without vodka if you're not into alcohol, but we are, Mm -hmm. if you're of age and (laughs) enjoy imbibing, then Yeah. So the recipe is, if you're going to make a pitcher, you can skip the simple syrup and you just put the teeniest bit of citrus vodka, like absolute citron or whatever, in um, the bottom of the pitcher with like a big handful of basil, muddle it around a bit, then just do a one-to-one ratio of citrus vodka and lemonade and a whole bunch of ice and boom. Blimmo. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah, it creeps up on you, definitely. I think you have a couple of those, you know, by by the side of a lake or whatever and just stand up and you're like, whoa. <laughs> I saw that happen to people at the wedding. Yeah, it sneaks up on you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've got enough. Thanks, Katie. Cool. Thank yes. you for having me. You can check out other episodes of our podcast at signaturedishpodcast.blogspot.com.